just opening up the possibilities as opposed to like shutting down when life got hard mm -hmm. really just like opened up this whole world that honestly if I had if I had still been married if I had still been in that career I would never have looked at these as options because I already had what was set and I already had a plan for the future but when the plan changed I was able to to like really kind of rise out of the ashes and, and morph into something that is so much stronger than I was before. And I'm so much more fulfilled now. Welcome to Grit and Moxie, where we are celebrating women's witness, fitness, and gritness. I'm your hostess, Christine DeSouza. Friends, thank you for being listeners of this podcast. And please do share this with your friends and be sure to stay to the end to hear more about the incredible new platform that I've been using with my virtual fitness clients. Welcome everybody back to Grit and Moxie today. I have a special guest. Her name is Marla Harvey. And I'm gonna share a little bit about her because she's about to blow your mind with her perspective on health and wellness and just getting gritty in her lifestyle and how she can really uh, speak into your life as well. So take a seat, grab your coffee, your tea, your water, whatever it is, and let's get into her. Marla Harvey is a worship leader and certified health coach. For her, worship is a way of life, not just a style of music or a segment in the church service. She is passionate about coming alongside women, encouraging them to focus on putting God first in all areas of life, especially their health. Her faith-based coaching model focuses on helping women identify the areas in their lives that need improvement and providing them with the tools they need to incorporate simple lifestyle changes to reclaim their health. Marla is a certified health coach with Dr. Sears Wellness Institute and certified holistic nutritionist with AFPA and has a Master of Arts in Life Coaching from Liberty University. She's also a certified Zumba instructor and is currently completing her 200-hour yoga teacher training. And when she's not training, coaching, or writing, you'll find her spending time with her two beautiful daughters, recording new music for an upcoming EP, which we'll hear about, and, uh, and or cooking up new plant-based dishes. So welcome, Marla. How are you? Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for having me. I am uh, doing so great. And thanks for reading that bio. It definitely makes me sound, I, I'm almost impressed by myself. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm kind of cool, but... <laughs> But then I know myself and I know I'm really not, so. Oh, you are totally <laughs> cool in my book. And <laughs> I didn't even have to read the bio to know that because yeah. my interactions with you have been just more than amazing. So yes, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> you are one incredible lady. And you are all listeners about to find that out. So because, because we're talking about grit and moxie, um, and I want to highlight you as a woman, right? Not just you as an entrepreneur. I'd love to hear a little bit about your personal life, just to kind of like set the stage. I think it always helps us, you know, to kind of envision your life and your lifestyle and create a little bit of common ground. Because yeah. I think, you know, when we, when we learn about other women, we always have um, you know, like our own image, but I'd love to really get a realistic view of, you know, kind of what your life is like and yeah, your family totally. and all that stuff. Totally. Well, you know, I think the, the biggest thing that I would say about my life right now is I'm in kind of like this second chance part of my life. And so I'm 45 years old and I always thought that once I hit forties, it was kind of, kind of be downhill from there. My health <laughs> was already really bad, like in my 20s and my 30s. And I was just expecting things to just kind of continue on that trajectory. Mm -hmm. As I got older, I was expecting, okay, the second half of my life is going to be really crappy. But what oh. has really happened and changed, and it's been kind of like a faith journey, also just like, and how everything just kind of weaves together my faith and health and wellness and worship and all of that is like, at the end of um, late 30s, I actually ended up having kind of a a career crisis, which was also in the middle of a divorce and managing a toddler and um, getting a high schooler ready for college. So all of these things were happening. Wow. 
and you get to that point and you're kind of like, okay, so what are the next 10, 15, 20 years going to look like? Because they don't look like I thought they were going to be right. I've got a toddler now when I initially thought that I wouldn't have any more kids in the house in a couple of years. Um, I'm getting divorced now when I was expecting to be married for, you know, the long haul. My career is ending when I thought I would be in this career. I'd been in it for 10 years. I thought that that was going to be where I was going to spend the rest of my life. And so instead of like, having the the meltdown which i did for maybe like a couple of days like i did give myself some time to cry in the shower and like cry in the bed and turn up into a ball for a day or two <laughs> for like a day or two but then i started thinking about okay so what am i going to do because i do have a life left to live and i'm only this was uh, in my late 30s and i'm like i have this life what am i gonna do and then i started thinking about the things that really sparked life and gave me joy and it had always been music. And I decided, you know what? If I'm gonna do something with the rest of my life, I'm gonna do what makes me happy. I'm gonna do what brings joy to me and I'm gonna sing. And that was my, that was my yeah. thought. And so um, that led me into uh, deciding I'd always wanted to be a jazz singer. I had those fantasies of kind of like, you know, laying on a piano in a big red dress and like, you know, belting it out. Little and bossy dancers exactly. around you. Exactly, yes. And so I was like, okay, why not? Why not do that? Because I just felt like instead of, a lot of times women will feel like their options are closed. Like when things end, when dreams end, when careers end, when marriages end, when life starts to look like it's shutting, it's closing in on you, people start to see their options as closed. Like, what can I do? And you start to get afraid. And like, what are the immediate? So instead of, I, I mean, there, and there were some moments of what am I going to do, but one of the things that really pressed on me and something I would encourage a woman who's going through a struggle now is to just ask yourself some real tough questions. And the, the biggest question that I have, and I continue to come back to is, is this going to matter in five years? So when my divorce was ending and I yeah. had to short sell my home because we were upside down in a mortgage and uh, I was not going to be able to keep it on my own. And this was right when the housing market crashed like 12 years ago. And I was like, I'm going to have to lose my home and I've got to file for bankruptcy and all these things are happening. And I remember thinking I'd worked so hard to establish. Um, and I asked myself, is this going to matter in five years? And then is this going to matter in 10 years? And then is this going to matter in eternity? And if you can answer no to those questions, then you've got a foundation to build from. Okay, this isn't going to matter in 10 years. So what am I going to do that's going to matter in 10 years? Like, how am I going to spend the next 10 years? So when I look back, I can say that wasn't as hard as I thought it was. Or yeah, it was hard and it sucked, but I got through it. And so when I started on that foundation of thinking of like, what is going to matter? What is really going to matter? And what's going to be important? Then I was able to say, okay, I want to be a singer. That's what I'm going to do. And that's where I want to see myself in 10 years from now. And here we are 12 years from then. And I have been able to, I started my own jazz band and we just performed locally, which was amazing because all I ever wanted to do was sing. And yeah. I, I a blues band and then I turned into my church and I became the worship pastor for a few years I recorded an album I'm working on more music now and just like and prior to COVID I was doing guest worship leading at different churches and I'd had an opportunity wow. to speak and so it just opening up the possibilities as opposed to like shutting down when life got hard mm -hmm. really just like opened up this whole world that honestly if I had if I had still been married if I had still been in that career, I would never have looked at these as options because I already had what was set and I already had a plan for the future. But when the plan changed, I was able to, to like really kind of rise out of the ashes and, and morph into something that is so much stronger than I was before. And I'm so much more fulfilled now. Wow. Now, how did you get out of that ball? for two or three days because yes. most people don't take only two or three days. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that really is faith. That really was faith. Um, because I mean, I do in coaching and in counseling at the church, I talked, you know, I've talked with a lot of people, women and men, people who have been in divorce or in seasons of, you know, just difficulty and it's not easy to do it on your own. And I've noticed the difference between people who have faith and people who don't have faith and don't have that hope and how much more difficult it is for them. So for me, it was really leaning on my faith, but it was also just like trusting that I was going to be okay and like trusting myself. And so sometimes when things are hard, we lose faith in who we are 
and we lose faith in ourselves and our ability to be okay. And so it's really kind of, we all have those voices in our head, right? That tell us that we're not enough or we can't do it or we're going to be a failure forever. Whatever the season is, the voice speaks to that. And I believe that that really is kind of the enemy who uh, just really wants to take us down. And so it's really challenging that voice and saying, you know what, I might be down, but I am not a loser, right? It's changing the, the language and making it not about you, but about the circumstance. So this circumstance sucks, but me as a human being, I'm still okay. And so if you can start to change that language to this is the situation, not who I am, then it helps you to be able to start to see options and start to rise out of out of the ball, basically. And so I remember, <laughs> I remember, um, you know, just yeah, one of those seasons where I was just like, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. I've got two kids, um, I've got one going to college, I've got the toddler. I want to be home with her, but because I'm getting divorced, I can't be home. And just really feeling like I had no options, but knowing that I had skills and I had time and I could figure it out. And so I just started to think in different ways. So I started to open my mind to think differently. So thinking about being a jazz singer was like the most wild and crazy thing out there. Think about something wild and crazy. What's the most outrageous, amazing, wonderful thing you wanna do? And then just start to do some of those things because if you can just start to spark that joy again, then you can start to move ahead. And so it's not the big giant step. My, my big giant goal, I still haven't achieved that, right? I, I don't have thousands of albums sold yet. I still have 800 of them sitting in a box um, yep. in a corner somewhere because they haven't sold yet. But that's okay because um, we have to look at every step as, as a step higher. It's a stepping point. What did I learn from this? What can I take from this? And how can I move forward? Um, I'm not sure if I answered it, but that's kind of how it worked for me. So no, yeah, you, de you definitely did answer it. And actually, um, I was recently asked this, a similar question, um, through my trials and my answer was basically the same, but you articulated it even much more, um, effectively <laughs> than I did. I was just kind of like, God, <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, that was a really, really um, great description of, of the process. And these questions, is it going to matter in five years and 10 years and in eternity really can move anyone, whether they're in a good circumstance, but still have, you know, goals and might be feeling stuck or whether their circumstance is not good. It's like, it, this is like brilliant because it's a great way to um, help you steer your your path yeah. and get rid of the stuff that's just kind of like holding you back dragging you down that you're indecisive about and Absolutely. you know all that kind of thing so wow that's pretty incredible and so how did you manage to you know I mean because that sounds like a lot on your own right so you're working right you transitioned to a new career which was what you're well, doing actually now. Actually, I, I was, I was uh, blessed to, I stayed home for about a year. Oh, nice. <laughs> I stayed home for about a year. I cashed in my 401k and um, decided I needed to spend some time with my daughter. And that is the time I spent um, working on music. Yeah, that's the time I spent working on music. And that, and it was fantastic. And I'm glad you asked what I did because this is a, it's a really important point. So I spent about a year working on music and then I had a, a number of things that happened in my family. I actually took in, um, took in some relatives, children and became a foster mom. Wow. Um, so and I had all five. All in the same year? Uh, yes. All that in the same, the following oh year. God. So yeah, following I year I did that. plans for you. I'll tell you. Yeah. I know, right? Because I left my job and then it was like, there's no way. So all the kids were under six. So there were four kids under six. My kid was three at the time. So I had five kids under six. There's no way I would have been able to do that if I had been working, right? But God right. always knows it, like what's coming and what's going to happen. And we don't know that. And it was just a blessing to be able to like, take them in and take care of them. I'm still their legal guardian. They still live with me part-time. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful, it's been amazing, wow. but 
what I actually ended up having to do because um, money started to get short very quick is I actually had to go back to work and I had to make some decisions. Am I going to go back to work full time um, and do what I was doing, which was in the political arena. And I had been working, I worked a lot of hours before I had my little one and I scaled my hours back to like a regular person's hours um, after I had her, but I had to decide what I wanted to do. And I knew I didn't want to go back into politics because I had, I'd closed the door. The chapter, that chapter was done. I was finished. And so Christine, I actually went back to waiting tables, which I had done in high school because, um, and I had initially thought, and, and so there are people in my lives, God bless them. They're wonderful. They say, you know, you've got this degree and you went to UC Berkeley and you have done all these things and now you're going to wait tables. And I said, yeah, I'm going to wait tables. And that's okay because this is a point of, this is getting me from point A to point B. My immediate need is to fill, you know, to fill a financial gap. This is not, um, this is not a permanent situation. And so I went into it and I went back to it and it was a ton of fun. And I was like 38 years old, never thought I would go back to waiting tables when I'm 38 years old waiting tables with these like young 20, 25 years old. And you take, you take your message wherever it is, right? You take your light, you take your positivity, and then you just infuse it to where you are and God can use you wherever you are. So here I am in this space, waiting tables, meeting these young people people and being able to like share, um, share in a way that they had never heard, right? It's kind of a message of, of the gospel and of just being a person of faith, um, which was wonderful and amazing. So, and it was a lot, it was a lot less work, obviously. It's, and the reason I chose it was because it's super part-time and I could make a decent amount of money doing something very part-time, which still allowed me to be mom to all these kids and keep my sanity and continue to lead worship at church and work on this album. So all of those things are happening at the same time. And there were times wow. in there, I don't know how I slept, um, but it's a season, right? And so sometimes we get into these seasons where um, we just have to do it. So we've just got to work a little harder. We've just got to pull out a little more. We got, it takes some grit, right? I'll tell you yeah. that. It takes some grit and we've just got to get a little rough and we've just got to do the work that needs to be done. We put our head down and we just plow through and make it happen. And then on the other side of that season was that I was able to, um, I was able to work enough and, you know, make enough to take care of immediate needs and um, things smoothed out. And then I was able to leave waiting tables, um, finish my album. And then I started to shop around and look for positions as worship leader and guest leader and didn't know I had actually turned down two jobs. Um, didn't know what God always knows that the worship pastor at the church that I had been serving at for um, a couple of years for three years um, was actually going to be leaving. And so God, you know, when you look back at like when all this stuff happens and I'm like, I'm going to be a singer and I'm going to be a jazz singer and I'm going to do all this <laughs> And then the way that things completely turn around, and then I went from singing jazz to singing worship, and then my album was actually a worship CD because that was the music I was writing in that crazy season. Mm -hmm. I wrote a lot of songs about that season. And then I ended up um, stepping into this position as a worship leader at the church that I had been a part of for the last five or six years. And it was just... Um, all of those events were kind of just like moving me towards that outcome that I didn't know, but... I kept moving, right? I kept moving and I didn't stop and um, just kept figuring it out and praying and just having faith that things will work out. And they ended up working out amazingly and in far, a far different way than I could have ever imagined, but such a blessing and just a wow, that's only a God kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, um, I know that you contribute your position as a worship leader as part of your grit building. Tell me how that all works together. Well, so I actually never planned on leading, being a worship leader. I never thought that that was going to be something that I was going to do in life. And that really was. And so being in, being in politics, I had kind of a tough skin and <laughs> I'll say, yeah, Ooh, especially and, in 2020. Oh, okay. Man. Yeah. I'm really glad I'm not doing it anymore. It was actually yeah. compared to now it was completely civil then. And we were almost like genteel Southerners back then compared to now, which is like the <laughs> wild west of politics. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so actually it was a different, um, there was a different orientation on in doing that. And so it was a process that happened over years. And it's funny because my grit had to be refined and I had to learn how to um, be myself in a different way, which was, um, which was tough. And so when you're kind of used to just kind of saying what needs to be said and kind of letting the chips fall where they may. Frank. 
Yes, very frank. And that's a nice way of saying it. Um, <laughs> I don't think people I worked with would have said I was frank. Um, they might have used <laughs> But, um, but that didn't translate in church community. And so church culture is very different. And so having learning how to navigate a completely different culture and continue to still be myself, um, took a lot of, a lot of practice and a lot of prayer, um, and a lot of refining and also getting really curious about other people around me. And instead of thinking about just like myself and like being right all the time and having to make the point, which is politics, it's. Um, becoming, having the relationship is more important than being right. And that takes, that takes a lot more grit than you think to be able to be the person to stop and listen and be quiet, especially when you have an answer. And so for me, it took a lot to be able to, to listen, to hear other people, especially people who didn't agree with me. There were a lot in the church. A lot of us who didn't agree on a lot of things. I mean, I'm a divorce. I'm divorced. I'm a single mom. I'm in kind of a conservative church, but not one that shuns divorce. I mean, they, they understand that, you know, like things happen and everybody has trials and God forgives and all of that stuff. But, you know, navigating that the first couple of years was difficult because I kind of had a chip on my shoulder. Um, there was a woman at the very beginning of my time in that church who, um, and this is when I was still married, um, but we were going through the process of separating. Who asked me where, where my husband, where's my husband? She's like, where's your husband today? And it was like really hard for me to keep my mouth shut. And I was like, oh, he's at home. And, you know, and first of all, my thought was, how dare you? It's none of your business where my husband is. Um, like, you know, if you want to find something out about me, ask me a question about me. Like, I'm a person. Like, don't ask about my husband because I have a child because then you're making an assumption, right? And so I, so I had this chip on my shoulder that people were seeing me in a certain way. And so I had to really work hard on allowing those like walls and barriers to people to yeah. be torn down and, and to really see people for who they were so that they could see me and we could get to know each other. And that took a lot of, that took a lot of time and patience. And, um, I had a really good friend that we're really good friends. Now we weren't really good friends then because she was so nice and it drove me crazy that she was so nice. <laughs> I know. And, <laughs> but we ended up working together, like leading worship. And, um, it was a great, uh, it was a great, um, moment for both of us because she would say that she wished she had more of my oomph for lack of a better word. And I would say, well, I wish I had more of your ability to smile and just like be kind because I don't have that. But, but, you know, like I said, we're all like, we're constantly growing. So at this age, I'm still growing and learning how to be a better person, how to, how to interact better with people. Even as a coach, I have to keep my mouth shut sometimes, right? Because people don't learn People don't learn or take the next step in their lives to move forward if someone tells them what to do. Um, so even if I might have the right answer, if I can't help somebody get to that answer, they're not going to take the next step. And so it requires a lot of restraint. And so often it's easy for people to not restrain themselves, just say what they wanna say, lay it out there, tell it like it is, and just you know be completely unapologetic. It takes a lot more strength and willpower um, and grit to actually reserve and hold back judgment and sometimes be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. James, so and, I have a, yeah, James and I have a relationship. <laughs> so um, that really has been kind of a, a life verse for me um, in this season, in the last 10 years, just really practicing that. So I, I, I think that's really what has helped me to kind of transition into uh, being a worship leader and being able to go into different churches because I've been into a number of churches larger and smaller where oftentimes there's no one in there who looks like me um, I'm often the only woman on the platform right mm -hmm. and um, being able to go in and lead a group of men who are used to leading with other men is difficult um, but when you make the relationships with folks and I, I never went in saying I know everything because I'm not the best musician. I'm actually not a musician at all. I'm a singer. I can play the guitar well enough to not embarrass myself. But if I get nervous, I will embarrass myself because my fingers sweat and the cords slip. So <laughs> having, the, having the humility to be like, you know what? I don't know everything. 
And I'm going to depend on you all to help me to make this the best it can be because it's not about us. It's about the people we're serving. That really did, that really helped me to be able to foster relationships, not only at my church, but to be able to go into other churches where people are actually used to worship leaders coming in and being like, okay, we're going to do it like this. We're going to do it like that. Can you play it like me? And my style is always like, well, what are your skills and talents and how can we blend those together to make something that's beautiful? Wow. And that, so that's actually sounds like it really lends to one of the things that you're doing now, which is conflict resolution, right? Yes. I mean, I can see how that all just is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, yeah. So I do uh, conflict resolution. We, and then we, I want to get into your nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> well, we really teach people how to, um, how to be better in uh, volatility. And when there's conflict, oftentimes we want to be right. And so being right is great, but a lot of times being right is at the sacrifice of the relationship or it's at the sacrifice of your goals. So I can be right. And this goes for not only work, but also personal life um, with your spouse, with your children, with friends. Being right feels good in the moment, but it can destroy trust and destroy relationships. And then you have nothing to build on. And then you have to figure out how you rebuild on those relationships. So that is, um, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing in terms of, uh, in terms of work these days. And it's been a lot of fun because um, it's always growth because I'm still growing and learning yeah. how to be, um, how to be better at conflict because I still don't have it down, right? Oh yeah. Well, we all are, right? And which is part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast. So we can yeah. learn from each other because not one of us has it a hundred percent. We're all like, so how did you do it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's not easy. You know, no. it's not easy. All the different stages of life are still continuing to grow. Absolutely. And I mean, if you want to, you can't say everyone, you, you know, I think in some ways you have to be a little bit intentional about it. Right. Yeah, because Absolutely. It has to be, yeah, it has to be a desire, right? Because there are a lot of people who are, and you said, you kind of mentioned, cause I did politics. You said kind of craziness of 2020 is like so often, like uh, the thing that really hurts me about what I see now is everybody so wants to be right that nobody wants to listen. And so when we believe we're right, um, it reduces our ability to listen because we're only looking for things that affirm what we already believe. And so if I have a belief that, you know, if I have a belief that I'm right in, um, you know, the candidate that I'm supporting, I'm not going to listen to anything anyone else says. And then that creates conflict. And then the conflict creates arguments. And then, you know, we're not coming to Thanksgiving because we can't, um, <laughs> because we can't talk anymore because we've yeah. lost the ability to listen to each other. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's like more true than yeah. we want them believe, right? It sounds like an exaggeration, but you know, relationships are breaking. Yeah, they are breaking and they're fragile. Like relationships are fragile and it's really hard to build back trust once you've lost it. And like, we can have, we can have arguments and we can have debates, but, um, we should have some fundamental values that we believe in. And so for me, a fundamental value and I think that's one that's helped me to transition through these roles is people. So I have a fundamental value in people and I have a value of um, fairness and honesty and also justice. And so um, when I see something wrong, I want to write it. And even if I'm the one who's wrong, my desire is to write it. And so when you have a, a core of values, then you can stop and you can look at yourself and you can assess, am I, am I living who I am? Or am I just, you know, kind of being a loud clanging gong out there, just shouting, but not allowing people to hear me and not creating relationship or creating value in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So talking about relationships and conflict resolution, <laughs> you totally changed your nutrition. And yes, at what point did that happen? And I'd love for you to share how you did that because it was pretty drastic. It was pretty drastic. And, and now it works into your coaching business. Yes, absolutely. So I, I will actually, just in terms of saying how we can just be closed-minded and not, not open-minded to anything, um, I had some very good friends at the time. One of my closest friends um, is a, a plant-based vegan, and we would hang out together a lot. And I 
eat everything. I, at the time I ate everything, anything and everything. And um, part of the reason that I was able to kind of continue to manage and do everything that I was doing is I was feeding my family a lot, a diet of like mostly fast food or processed foods. Um, not a lot of home cooking because I didn't have time for that. A lot of pizza, a lot of tacos, you know, all these things that were really like quick and fast and easy and, you know, laden in a lot of things that aren't very healthy. Um, and so I had this wonderful girlfriend who would, you know, not ever, never, ever told me to eat healthy or never suggested it, but would share like, oh, I just tried this recipe and it was really good. And I'd look at the recipe and I'm like, I'm not eating this. What is this? So, um, like, I'm not eating this. You've got to be kidding me. And then um, uh, when our church, uh, I was, I was a small group leader for a while and got out of this, got out of it when I had all the kids in the house, because it was hard to have people in my home with all the kids. It was just chaotic. And so um, I remember our, our church kind of jumped into the Daniel plan as a small group activity when it came <laughs> New year, we're all going to do the Daniel plan. And I was like, I'm not doing the Daniel plan. That sounds horrible. I'm not <laughs> trying to eat healthy or any, I'm not trying to do any of that. But um, I think God is really funny because he has this way of like, you know, moving us in a way we didn't want to move. But at the same time, I had all these health issues. So I had had chronic back pain since my early twenties. I had a car accident. I had GERD since 23. Um, I had knee pain. I had been to physical therapy for my back and my knees. Um, I, what else did I have? I mean, I had other stuff. I was constipated constantly. I had acne. I had developed um, eczema on my body this year. There's a lot of stress, a lot of inflammation happening, right? So a lot of things were going on and um, I was praying for solutions. And um, that led me to stop eating meat for a time. And just the time, and I was not planning on doing anything more than that. And I was praying for God, I can't wait to eat meat again. When is it going to happen? <laughs> and I just, <laughs> but I never felt like, you know how you just feel when something is right. And I just never felt right about eating it again. And it was, it's something that I really can't explain. It was just kind of like this heart shift of, okay, I need to stop eating meat. Um, I should also say that this kind of goes in line with my, my youngest was um, diagnosed with autism at uh, four and a half. So this was around the same time that I was like, just kind of praying for solutions. And when I started looking into um, ways to help her, um, I started seeing that diet was a key factor. And then, so when I started to do, you know, started reading and started opening my mind and like learning about the choices that I was making food wise and the choices, the things that I was feeding her food wise, mm -hmm. I started to see connections in, you know, behaviors and food and drinks. And, um, and then I started to decide we need to make some changes. And so the biggest problem we had is that she didn't, she didn't eat any fruits or vegetables or anything like that. Um, and I didn't push it. And so I really had to go through a process and um, we started taking supplements and we started like just really focusing on our health. Um, that was around the same time that I got the Zumba certification. So I was just really going through this transformation of health. And I will say before that, I had been a big dieter. So I've been dieting since I was 13 years old um, on and off. If there was yeah. a new pill, I was taking it in the eighties and nineties. You could just do that because they let you um, <laughs> so anything, anything they had, I would take. I remember when I was married, um, one of the new ones came out and um, I think it was like the fin fin or something, uh -huh. um, one of those crazy ones. And I started taking it. And in a week I had turned into like this monster and he was like, you need to stop taking those pills. Uh, yes. They're making you crazy. And so I thank God I did. Right. Because, I mean, yeah. Yeah, because they're terrible and they're dangerous, but you know, they're not regulated and they tell you you're going to lose weight and all you want to do is be thin, or at least that was all I wanted. Maybe some people in your audience can, um, you know, see themselves in that, but all I wanted was to be thin and also eat whatever I wanted. And so I had been successful at dieting and counting calories and maintaining um, a weight that I wanted to be at. And all of this also happened after the divorce because I, I lost a, a tremendous amount of what I call married weight. Um, but then I managed that by just dieting, counting calories. And um, every day I made sure I had enough calories for a soda and a candy bar because that's how I was keeping going, right? I had to like have something, I had to have some caffeine and some sugar to keep me going, but I woke up tired. I went to bed tired. I was so tired all the time. But when I started to learn about nutrition and health and wellness and how we weren't eating enough fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. and how, um, you know, how terrible I felt when I started noticing how terrible I felt after I ate fast food, um, I started to have all these ahas and started to put things together. And so then, um, 
then I just dived all the way in and I just decided, you know, it's like this, this is a lifestyle change for us. And then when I started to do that, when I started reading the Bible, I started seeing things differently as well. And so I started seeing scriptures like your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit as, wow, how have I been treating this temple? How have I been treating the body that I've been given? And if I'm 40, this was like, I'm 40, 41 at this time. Um, if, you know, if I'm in my forties now and I feel this crappy, like, um, it's just going to get worse. And so when I started to eat better and when I started to make different choices, when I stopped drinking soda and I stopped having a candy bar every day, and then I stopped eating cheese and all of a sudden things happened, like my skin cleared up and, um, I wasn't fighting with my weight because I wasn't yo-yoing and I was waking up with more energy and I started to feel better. I was like, this is what, this is what the body is supposed to have. And yeah. so like being 45 now and feeling better than I did at 25 and not having chronic back pain and not having, you know, like knee problems and not being constipated and not having like all these issues, the skin issues and stuff and being able to say, oh my gosh, like 20 years later, I'm better than I was 20 years ago. Then I know I'm on the right path. And how do I get more people on this path? Because this is the path to like longevity. Um, I don't want to live long on pills because first of all, we don't have long-term studies on the effects of pills on 20 or 30 years. What we do know is that the longer you're on pills, the more pills you need because your body starts to break down in different ways. And then you start having to manage those problems. And so we're not meant to be on high cholesterol, high blood pressure pills forever. We're actually supposed to take it down and there's simple diet ways to do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, the number one killer of people is heart disease and heart disease is completely preventable and reversible unless you have like a congenital heart defect or something you're born with, it's completely reversible and treatable. But instead of treating, uh, instead of reversing and treating it with food, we do pills, we do surgeries, and then we hope that that will help us have a long life, but it's not quality. And so quality life is what we want. And Jesus said that he came to give us life and give it to the fullest, not so that we could just be here and just barely be able to get up and get around and be exhausted and not play with our grandkids and things like that. Like that is what, so that's how I ended up kind of transitioning into, um, into health and wellness, because this is just like, this is a mission and it's a ministry mm -hmm. and it's what we're supposed to be. Like we're supposed to be healthy. We're supposed to make choices that make us feel good. Not choices that make us feel bad. Right. That's yeah. not what our life is meant to be. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how all of that kind of led me to where I am now. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, you're definitely speaking my language there, right? <laughs> For sure. Which is yeah. why I had you on honor, honor your body, the summit. Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. what you had to say, I mean, you're, you are on fire, like so much value in, in that. So my, my question to you is, so when you're coaching with somebody, right? So there's so many different ways to eat, right? So how do you work with your clients? Do you only work with um, clients who are willing to go vegetarian or, you know, because I know it's like an ethical issue, but then yeah. it's like, you know, a nutritional issue and, you know, there's so many variations, you know, how do you kind of work that, you know, or is there, you know, biblical, a biblical like alignment that, that you feel that you share with them or, you know, how do you, yeah. How do you do that? Because that's, I mean, that's another thing that there's so many different um, <laughs> vibrations you can roll on, you know, yeah, not, absolutely. not to say which well, one's right or wrong, but. Right. So, so I, I don't turn anyone away because they eat meat. So <laughs> I don't discriminate, <laughs> but, um, but they, but they know my philosophy and they know where I stand and I will always advocate a plant-based diet. So that for me, that's a fundamental belief. Um, I cannot, I can't walk away from that. If you choose to eat meat, then um, that is your choice and that's totally fine. And I, you know, advocate, you know, doing the least amount of harm to your body you can possibly do. So don't mm -hmm. stop at the drive-thru. Um, <laughs> don't stop at the drive-thru. Don't flour it and fry it. I mean, like make smart decisions, but I do advocate primarily a plant-based diet. And honestly, it's one that, I mean, it, it feels, it feels good. 
And so when people do a plant-based challenge, they realize how, how they feel good. They feel more, they feel better. They have more energy. Their body's able to better digest. They often see constipation go away. Um, but I don't, but that's, but I don't, you know, kind of like push it on anyone. What I find though, and what I've found over the last few years is that I tend to draw more people who want to be more plant-based, but aren't really sure how to make the transition. Yeah. Um, and then even if they're doing a combination and they're doing more of kind of like a Mediterranean diet or just kind of like a plant-based, a plant-based like 90-10 diet, which is really popular with a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, they tend to, you know, they tend to lean more towards um, what I advocate for. And so, and, and the biblical part of that is tricky. So I never try to make anyone, I never try to make anyone be plant-based. I do advocate it. I tell the benefits of it. Um, I share my beliefs on it. And it really is about like not doing harm. And so uh, I have never been an animal lover and it's kind of weird to be a, cause they, they smell funny. I, and I, you know, I grew up in a city and so there's like, not, so, there's not, <laughs> not lots of animals around. And so, um, you know, when I, when I'm around animals, um, I'm not a huge animal fan, but I love them from afar. And so, um, I love them from afar. And I, when I see, um, I just shared it, reshared a video yesterday of, and this is going to get really silly. I shared a video yesterday of a cow who had been rescued and she was pregnant and she gave birth. And prior to giving birth, she was afraid of the hum- afraid of humans because she had been kind of basically a cow that had just been just producing calves that were taken away. And for us to believe that we're the only ones who have feelings as mothers is just really, that's really um, selfish and thoughtless of us. I mean, like we, we have our little doggies and our cats and we see how they are with each other and animals love too. Right. And so anyway, so this cow gives birth and she's been away from the humans, but she had a difficult birth and the, the guy who's been taking care of her helps her deliver the calf. And she's just licking him and licking him and licking him and giving him all this love that she hasn't done the entire time she's been there. And she dies the next morning. And so oh. His, I know it was so sad. And so his belief was that, you know, she was just saying in her way, take care of my baby. And so anyway, he raises the calf and they're on a sanctuary. So he raises the calf as his, as his own. And that's not something that would have affected me 10 years ago. I'd been like, oh, that's cute. But now I can see like the humanity of animals as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're not the only people who hurt and feel pain. And so if my goal is to do as little harm as possible, then it's going to be also to have a diet, which can be completely full just on plants that does as little harm as possible as well. So that really is my philosophy. I do share it with people. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't go and and protest against them. (laughs) I don't go out and protest and do all those things, but I really truly believe that we are, um, we are the stewards of this earth. And we're the stewards of everyone on this earth and everything on this earth. And so it's up to us to do the best we can by everyone and everything. And so that means, you know, that we're not over farming our, our water or polluting it. And we're not, you know, mass raising all these animals. And the reality is when you look at our diet now versus like 60 or 70 years ago, we consume two to three times more animal products than we did before. Nothing in our bodies has changed to make us need more. It's just a consumption, like it's a supply demand, right? You know, we're demanding more, they're supplying more, or they supply more to get us to demand more. I don't know which one came first. It's kind of a, a chicken or the egg. I but the reality is we're still yeah. living in a supersize me. Exactly. That's it. We are. We're living in this society where we don't need as much as we have. And so, and that includes like the, the animal products we eat. We don't need as much as we eat. And so when you start to look at what you're eating and you primarily base it on plants, which fill you up faster, then you need less and your body tends to feel better and healthier. And so it's just kind of a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, it's been really interesting because my husband has been wanting to um, (laughs) do the carnivore diet. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's a difference. So extreme. Yeah. Right. I'm not, for the most part, I don't consider myself an extreme person. You know, I'm like pretty much in the middle about, about most things. Right. (laughs) Um, but it has been interesting to, you know, just like politics. Okay. (laughs) You can make a case 
yes. for, for either side. And it has Absolutely. been really interesting to listen to like the different science because I've, yeah. I've learned and listened to a lot of the plant-based science you know, um, but it's been kind of, kind of fascinating, but that's great to know that you, you know, that you're able to work with, you know, anyone who's like really searching for just like a better, healthier lifestyle. Yeah. So yeah, it really is just about like, um, I tend to, I tend to draw people who are like me, who are just kind of at that point of, you know, I'm really tired of being tired. I mm -hmm. want to feel better. Like I want my body to last me. I don't want to start breaking down or if I'm already breaking down, how can I reverse the breakage and how can I like repair? Yeah. And then we go from there. Okay. Let's talk about like, what are you eating? Um, and how do you feel when you eat it? Um, and then can we find little tweaks? So it's not a because drastic change doesn't work for most people. I did go overnight vegetarian and then I went overnight vegan. That doesn't work for most people. Um, I didn't go overnight with like stopping drinking soda or candy bars, right? I still occasionally, I haven't been anywhere in months, but when we go on a long road trip, I have a root beer on a long road trip because it's just like something I've always done. Um, and I occasionally have a, like a, an Italian soda or something like that, but it wasn't an overnight. I had been doing it every day. It really was like a step down to stop. And so for other, for, for so many of us, that's not the way that we work. It really is. What's the small change I can make today? Like, can I add one more serving of vegetables because I'm not eating any right now? So can I just do one? Can I find one I like? And then can I add on? Okay. So then can I add like a fruit for a snack? And maybe I have the fruit for a snack with something that I really love. Right. And then we do a more or less. That's kind of what I do with my, my youngest daughter to change her diet. We started doing a taking everything away doesn't work. What did work was adding in small healthy things with the things she would already eat mm -hmm. and then adding more of the healthy things, less of the less healthy things. So she's still getting what she wants, right? She still wants a piece of cheese. She's still going to get a piece of cheese, but she's also going to get that piece of cheese with some apple slices and maybe some celery and some crackers. So there's kind of a balance there. And so it really is around finding what works for you that will help you be the healthiest as opposed to just like stopping altogether. Right. That's brilliant. That's a brilliant way to, to transition. And also, you know, like, do you ever find, um, you know, a, a common question I get right with, with coaching is, um, how do I get more plant-based protein? Right. There's, uh, there's that. <laughs> yes. All there's, the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. There's, there's that oh question. And then also, you know, there are, you know, do you have like, certain vegetables that you don't recommend ever, you know, yes. like sometimes people like if they get too gassy or right. like if they have arthritis or whatever, yeah. it really is a science. And it is like still, even though it's, um, you know, and it's less common, a less common, I'd say, um, diet that people follow, there's still a lot of, um, personalization that goes into that. Yeah. So I, I really don't get into like the, the really kind of like minute details. If someone has an allergy, then we work around the allergy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's folks who think that maybe, you know, having like nightshade vegetables isn't good for them. And so I don't get into those very small specifics. Um, we get into kind of like general, you know, um, how are you sleeping? How is, um, how are you sleeping? How are you feeling like, um, and then just like, once you start to eat more, um, mindful, like you're, when you start being more mindful of what you're eating, you start to recognize when you eat something and it doesn't feel so great. Right. So, you know, yeah, it, just starts, to, yeah, it starts to tell you, it starts to say, you know what, I don't like that. And so it's just being thoughtful about that. And some people talk about, you know, when you, when you do start to eat more beans, you get more gassy, but the reality is that the body is supposed to have anywhere from like one to two dozen flatulence a day. And so sometimes when we think we're just being super gassy, we're just being regular. So it's a question of, am I actually regular? And I wasn't before, or, you know, and it's just thinking about those things. And like, um, it's thinking about those things and just figuring out, is it really, is it really that that's bothering me? Or is my body just getting used to it? Because the stomach and, um, the, the stomach and the microbiome is very different when you're eating more plants than it is with meat, the digestive 
juice is different. And so it takes the body some time, especially if you haven't been eating that many vegetables or fruits, it takes the body some time to like get used to it and to feel better. And sometimes people have like a, a detox experience where it doesn't feel great. And so if you can work through, um, and that's when people go completely plant-based. That usually doesn't happen when people are just trying to add in one or two more vegetables. It usually doesn't happen that way. But if you are kind of going the, you want to really kind of just jump in there and like kind of detox your body and like just start over, sometimes you experience that. And it's just figuring out, you know, um, is it temporary or is it a long haul? Usually after, if you're kind of doing kind of a plant-based diet, after the first three to five days, after like day three, you might feel a little bit crappy because your body is going through some changes by the fifth day you usually feel pretty darn good and yeah. so it's just like monitoring how do i feel and making those changes um and then the flip side of that is also monitoring how you feel when you're eating meat right and just feeling what meals make you tired what meals make you sluggish and um you know and then you can ask yourself okay so if i eat if i eat half a pizza and i can't get off the couch then maybe i don't eat half a pizza right because you know it's it's exactly. those things yeah that, that yeah, we just have that just happened with my husband you know <laughs> I'm trying to actually reduce certain things you know specifically bread right because yeah overdosing on bread you know yeah. he's brazilian so it's like everything is bread and rice and meat yeah no vegetables, <laughs> you know, but he had like Fridays, we do like a little pizza night, but he hadn't been really, you know, toxifying his body. Should I say, no, I'm not, I'm not speaking like a villain. I am a little, bit. But, um, he's like, I'm so tired. And then the same thing happened the next day. He had the um, pizza for lunch and then he was like, yeah. I don't know what it was. I was so tired. And I was like, okay. no, it was. So, so you have to show your, tell your husband this little part of this and tell him that was a word from the Lord for him, because I didn't know that, but, um, but God works in mysterious ways. So boom. <laughs> yes. Hey, you never know. Right. I mean, definitely. I will, yeah. I will definitely share this. Um, you know, sometimes it's received a little better when it's not from the wife. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But well, it is, I mean, it's, it's just figuring out what works, what works for you and what makes you feel good. And, you know, it just, it feels better when you eat better foods. And so I do share, I have a whole kind of plant-based list of like kind of a grocery staples list yep. and kind of a meal planner that I give people and um, help them kind of figure out what do they like what do they want to eat? And then we, we make a, a plan for them of, on foods they're actually going to enjoy so that changing over into a healthier lifestyle is not like a chore or it doesn't feel like a diet because it shouldn't right. be the, the diet that we're used to, right? It should be, this feels good because I'm making better choices for my life. And so when we, as much as we can do that to make it feel good because it's a better choice as opposed to it's a chore because I'm doing something that I have to do, it makes it more lasting. Yeah, exactly. Wow, awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of that information. You can find more on MarlaHarvey.com, but you know what else you can also find on there? Some samples of her upcoming EP. And yeah. my goodness, so good. I got a little Carrie Underwood vibe. I mean, <laughs> she's, she's pretty awesome. So I think uh, you're right up there with her. So oh, thank you, everyone. Uh, check her out. Share this podcast. And thank you again, Marla. You are amazing. Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Christine. Uh, you are so welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Friends, thank you for listening. And as promised, I wanted to share that during this unprecedented 2020, I have moved my entire fitness and nutrition coaching virtually with the help of an amazing new platform, which allows me to coach you and your groups in real time with heart rate metrics, food logging, and insane accountability capabilities and so much more. And if that sounds like something that you would like to be a part of, go ahead to christinedesoza.com and request a call with me. Thank you for listening to Grit and Moxie. If you want to hear more, please do subscribe and share this with your friends and head on over for another dose of DeSoza at christinedesoza.com. Thank you and I'll see you next time.